0: In case you missed it, my 12-week ketogenic video training program for women, Happy Keto Body, is now open for registration, but only for a few days. You can get more details at happyketobody.com. If you've been watching what I've been sharing over the last few weeks, you may already realize just how valuable this opportunity is and that it will only be available for a very short time. This is your chance to finally take the guesswork out of the ketogenic diet and end your frustration to master holistic keto balance your hormones lose weight and feel awesome when you join happy keto body you'll get access to the entire 12-week program with over 21 hours of totally new online video modules access to convenient blood work testing and analysis by a doctor 12 in-depth special guest interviews, downloadable worksheets, recipes, and meal plans to streamline your keto day every day, plus a supportive community of keto sisters to motivate and encourage you along the path to pure keto joy. And you get a bunch of free guides with your membership, including high carb to keto food swaps, how to calculate your macros, traveling with keto, unplanning your keto meals, customizing fat intake for optimal weight loss, learning how to eat intuitively, and so much more. In total, you get access to over $200 in free bonuses. When you discover the perfect keto plan for you using Happy Keto Body, it makes all the difference between struggling, feeling frustrated and falling off the wagon or overcoming your frustrations and imbalances to finally get the healthy, sexy body you want. All details can be found at happyketobody.com and I'm super excited to see you on the inside. Okay, now on to the podcast. You're listening to episode number 70 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about whether a calorie deficit matters does copious amounts of fat intake stop fat burning, zero carb workouts, feeling flat at the gym, and so much more. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast. Keto is a low carb, high fat diet where we're switching from a sugar burning state to becoming fat burning machines. Starting keto and maintaining it long term can be quite a challenge if you don't feel supported. My 60-day program, The Keto Bundle, provides you with clear step-by-step how-to on successfully adapting to a ketogenic diet, avoiding common ketogenic struggles and healing your body completely and fully with a ketogenic diet go to healthfulpursuit.com bundle and use the coupon code podcast all in caps no spaces to get 10% off your order exclusive for podcast listeners only now let's get this party started Hey guys, happy Sunday. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash e70. The transcript is out of the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. the show is partnered up with paleo valley the makers of the only 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef stick each stick contains 1 billion probiotic cfus and we all know how important fermented foods are to the health of our gut and the strength of our immune system as well as boosting overall energy chowing down on paleo valley's fermented beef sticks provides your body with all of the beneficial bacteria it loves in one convenient little stick Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical, additive dye, and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar, and made with the highest quality ingredients. Exclusive to listeners of the show, you can receive an instant savings of 20% off Paleo Valley fermented beef stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com keto. And if your jaw is tired just thinking about beef jerky, I gotta tell you that these tasty treats are not tough at all, but moist with a little snap. Again, that's paleovalley.com slash keto for an instant 20% off savings. And if you're unsure of the link, simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. I've put together a free 26 page Recipe booklet on how to prepare carb up meals just for you guys. You can get it at healthfulpursuit.com/carbup. If you're intrigued by carb ups, a practice that can help you balance hormones, bust through weight plateaus, and so much more, this free guide will show you which foods are safe for a carb up and how to prepare each item super easily. You can get the free guide with over 50 complete recipes at healthfulpursuit.com/carbup. Okay, we got a couple. Of announcements today. The first one is that I've got an awesome giveaway in store for all of you podcast listeners. Just to thank you guys for listening every single week. You can enter to win a bone broth bundle from my friends at Kettle and Fire. The bundle includes six boxes of bone broth. You get two of each flavor chicken, beef, and chicken and mushroom. You'll be stocked up. Get it? <laughs> That's totally a bad joke, but the giveaway is awesome. Here's how to enter. All you got to do is go to healthful pursuit.com review and leave a review for the podcast. Enter in a star rating and add a couple of words and totally be honest and then screenshot that review and email it to info at ketodietpodcast.com. A winner will be randomly drawn and announced on February 11th. So make sure that you're following me on Instagram at healthful pursuit, but we'll also send the winner an email. This giveaway is open to US listeners only. Again, you have until February 11th to enter. So head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash review to leave your review and then email us at info at ketodietpodcast.com to let us know that you did enter and good luck. The second announcement is that today we're gonna to be chatting about how to get gym results using biohacking and really getting into the macros and what's required in your macros to have a successful movement practice. If you're looking for more daily exercise, exercise, exercise focused content or hardcore training content. Keep an eye out. I'm working on a super secret special project that is going to address all of these areas. Until then, if you're interested in this topic, definitely check out episode 22 and episode 27 of the podcast. Today's guests, we have two of them. This might be the first time I've done this on the podcast. I can't remember. In any case, really exciting to have Brian Williamson and Danny Vega on the podcast today. Brian Williamson is a 40 something husband and father of three. While Brian has always been active, he hasn't always considered himself healthy and topped the skills at 270 pounds. His journey toward a ketogenic lifestyle began with some research into methods to alleviate the effects of epilepsy after one of his children was diagnosed. That research led him to discover the science behind the ketogenic way of life and gave him the tools needed to accomplish the health and fitness goals he wanted to achieve. By adopting the ketogenic way of life, Brian has lost 60 pounds, improved his mental and physical health and started enjoying his life. Danny Vega is a 220 pound raw powerlifter. I'm like not kidding guys. Danny is huge (laughs) with meat bests of 640 squat in wraps and 610 raw, 400 bench and 700 deadlift. A native of Miami, Florida, Danny received his bachelor's degree in political science from Columbia University in 2004 where he was a member of the football team and three time Dean's recipient. Danny earned his master's of science in human performance from the University of Florida where he worked with the national championship men's basketball team along with women's basketball tennis and golf programs. Danny then went on to become the strength and conditioning coordinator at VCU basketball helping the Rams to the 2007 conference champions and making it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. I'm super excited to chat with these guys. As you'll notice, they really took over this episode. So I got to take a little break and they really got into a lot to do with macros and gym results and how to adjust your macros to fit your body. So without further ado, let's get to this interview. qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. Hey guys, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks for having us. Hey, Leanne. I was going to say on behalf of Danny, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on the show.
0: I love it. Um, why don't you guys start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves individually and together and what you do and all the things.
1: Sure.
2: I played football my whole life. I played college football and, um, after college, I got my master's at UF and, um, did my master's in human performance. And I worked with the University of Florida football team. And then after about eight months, I got a position as a grad assistant in the basketball weight room where I was working with women's and men's tennis, women's and men's golf, and of course, basketball. And that led to my first job, which was, um, strength and conditioning coach for VCU basketball. I did that for a while, and I got out of the strength and condition game about 10 years ago, but it's always been my passion by far. I've been doing medical device sales for this whole time, but I got into keto in 2016 and shortly hooked up with Brian after, and we've been making magical podcast ever since
1: yeah that's pretty true so i don't have nearly the pedigree in terms of football and working out that danny does because he's like educated on it and stuff i got into the 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 ketogenic lifestyle through my son he was di- diagnosed with epilepsy a few years ago when he was about i think he was around 10 or 11 maybe 12. and as part of his treatment the drug therapies became less and less effective and after a particularly rough bout um, of, of seizures that were coming on really, really frequently uh, and really rather more in- intensively, the neurologist mentioned the ketogenic diet in passing. And I'd, I'd heard of it before because I've lifted weights my entire life and you know folks in the in the gym have used keto type diets, uh, cyclical kind of keto diets uh, to cut. Uh, a different pie, depending on, on what they're, they're doing for competition. And I'd, kn- I'd known about it, but I started reading more and more about it. And I got just intrigued, not by the weight loss aspect of it, but obviously by the neurological benefits and health aspect of it. And my son was convinced he couldn't do it because he felt it was too restrictive. So my job became the guy that was going s- to model it for him so that he could, sh- he could see that you could be, you could eat healthy uh, you could sustain it. You didn't have to have all of the bad stuff that he was used to eating, and it would be better for his brain. And one thing led to another. And uh, a few podcasts later, I decided I wanted to uh, do something for athletes. And almost this is the same week that I decided I was going to launch, uh, I get an email and it says, Hey, my name is Danny Vega. I'm a power lifter. I could probably lift your house. Um, I'm also so you know if you ever need any help with anything let me know oh by the way i have a master's degree in human performance even though it is from the university of florida i won't hold that against him by the way so we just kind of we hit it off. i interviewed him I, I were you the first interview that i did on the yeah, show he was he was a day after me i think you said i think i i may have interviewed one person. okay it may it may have been after so yeah danny was the first guy i interviewed and uh we just hit it off And we were like, hey, so I said, we were done with the interview. I was like, hey, look, I need a co host. Are you interested? And he was like, I don't know, man. That's a lot of work. Actually, that's not what Danny said at all. Danny was like, yes. And I said, you should probably talk to your wife. And he's like, yes, I'll do that too. So we've just been having a blast ever since on the ketogenic athlete, just talking to people, you know, helping people in the gym, on the road, in the pool, you know, whatever, just trying to get people to understand that you can still have this well rounded athletic lifestyle and still eat right, uh, I guess would be the best way to say it.
0: Yeah. And also get the results too. I think that there's a lot of um, issues with people that go keto and they can't quite get things right in order to get the results that they want. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you guys are really good at that as well. Well, let's just dive in and chat about first off like eating and fueling right with working out. There's a lot of conversation around calories and how that influences our results and kind of depending on what our goals are, I'm sure will dictate calories, but how... How do you guys determine how many calories to eat for a specific workout or do you, do you think that calories matter on a ketogenic diet? Let's talk calories.
1: So I'll go first on this one. Obviously, calories matter because it's the measure of energy that you are intaking and expending, right? So I mean, in that sense, it does matter. However, you have no real way of knowing either one of those things. When people talk about calorie burn or what their um, rate of, uh, of energy expenditure is, that's a guess. And it and it varies from day to day, and they and people mostly think it's static, and it's not. So trying to go everything by calories is is really chasing this ghost that is almost futile. In in so yes, calories do matter in the sense that you have to have enough energy, but I've I have yet to see an example of where calories are the thing that make you perform better. Does that make sense? I don't know. Danny, you wanna you wanna tackle it a little bit better? Yeah, I mean honestly, like the calorie thing is is. If you talk to a coach,
2: I think that's a quick way to find out like, you know, how real they are. I would say for me personally that, you know, when I start, let's say I'm working with a client, when I start them on a set of macros and it comes to a certain calorie amount, this is my guesswork on where to start. We have to start somewhere. So, you know, I'll I'll do like, if I want to look, you know, for their protein macros, I'll have anywhere from 0.6 to 0.8 times their lean body mass. So I'll have them get their body fat. And then I'll also look at their lean body mass and I'll do uh, by kilograms. And there's like, there's this range that you get. And then I kind of just start off right in the middle. And um, usually I start with the fat extremely high because I want them to just have as much raw material for ketone production as possible. And just to feel as full as possible. But as they, if, if they were like a physique athlete, then we would, over time, we would definitely put them in a deficit. But more important to me is the consistency versus like a macro count, you know. Because if you, if if I were to tell you follow these macros and you're diligently trying to hit those macros every time, you know, but you're eating all these different foods, but you're working really hard and making sure that those macros are perfect, it's still um, going to be really hard. So like if if I really wanted control, I would say, okay, I want to have basically three meal plans, which is what I do with my athletes. And they can pick from one of those three meal plans. And then they kind of see which one they settle in on. And we stick with that one for a while and we adjust over time, but they're kind of eating very similar foods so that we don't have all these different variables in and we don't know like what's happening.
1: And I think one of the things that, that gets overlooked and kind of Danny's kind of, he's alluding to it is how you feel is going to determine more than what's on the spreadsheet, right? So either day you feel really crappy by eating not enough food or whatever and you know you have to work hard that day you know you're going to need to do more so like one of the things that gets overlooked is don't ignore how what your body's telling you right this this biofeedback that you get is infinitely more important than whatever the spreadsheet says now yeah if you have got a plan and you know you're working towards something yeah of course but you have to make room for adjustment and and i think a lot of people lose sight of that sometimes i mean i'm i'm coming from a from a a very, uh, I'll say, anarchistic point of view you know, when it comes to this sort of thing, just because I'm very intuitive and I'm not, not, not at all you know, going by what's on the paper. So I, I, I invite people to to experiment with that a little bit. And of course, you got to start with a plan, right? And it can be a vague plan, but it's still got to be a plan. And then let your body decide, You know, let your body tell you what you need to do next. And you'll notice what Danny did with, when he was talking about macros was he started with protein, right? So that's kind of the thing that you need to start with. Because when you when we're talking keto, the carbs are going to be low. So the next thing you deal with is protein, because that's the one thing you actually have to have in terms of your lean muscle mass. You have to make sure that you're you're consistently getting enough amino acids to rebuild all of the 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 material in your body. And of course, fat after that is for various other reasons. But you want to start with your protein, and then you can build out from there. Is is you know like what Danny said.
2: And I think I'm going to do something now that is this is I'm just going to give my personal secret because it's not a secret. So when I when I this is Danny Vega's macro calculator, this is kind of like the simplified, most simplest way that I would come up with. So mine is just I take their what I said, let's say let's say Finney and Volek say 0.6 to 0.8 times lean body mass. So I do 0.7. So I get that number. Let's say that person's number is 140 grams of protein. I'm right off the bat going to start them off at like 270 280 grams of fat which is right around 80 percent which is super high fat it's probably not what they're going to always be at but i number one in that first week we're doing basically we're collecting data i'm i'm figuring out what's happening to their body weight what's happening to how they feel how full they are and then i'm making adjustments over time so that's it basically determine my protein number and double it in fat and I, i'll start the carbs with like 20 or 25 total carbs and and then we go from there. That that's my simple macro calculator. Everything else is is going off of what's happening and how they're responding.
1: Sixty five percent of your of your dietary intake to eighty percent of your dietary intake is of the fat macro. The rest of it is constituent parts of of protein carbohydrate. That's what we do. I'm not saying that everyone has to do that. That's what we do. And yes, yes. And let me also add that that
2: what we both believe in is really listening to your body, because like me personally, I've gone through phases where anyone who's following what I'm doing will be like, wait, I don't get what you're doing, Danny. I thought you were low protein. Now you're high protein. And I'm just like, I'm like, guys, I'm trying to figure out what works best for me. And that's what I think everybody should do. So, you know, there's times where I've had my protein at 75 grams a day. And right now it's at like 160 grams a day, which is more than twice, you know, what I was eating. So I think the most important thing is really. You can you can have things to guide you, but but listening to your body, and I think keto makes it so easy to listen to your body.
1: Can we talk just for a second about protein? Because uh, this is this is I think this is something that needs to be talked about. Uh, if you don't mind, Leanne, I, I feel like I'm taking over your show, and I'm sorry. No,
0: do it. I'm just gonna sit back. You guys chat. I'll be back in 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been recording all day. Like, let's do this. No, go for it. My question to you is going to be like, let's hone in on protein. And I had a question about protein timing because I know that there's a lot of concerns about like, oh my gosh, but protein timing, when do I eat the protein? So run with it. I'll sit here. I'll learn.
1: From my perspective, there's only a problem with too much protein if you are already metabolically broken to begin with. And, and that generally manifests itself in the sense of insulin resistance. If you are someone who is chronically insulin resistant, going on a low carb, high fat way of eating, a lifestyle is going to benefit you in that way, but it's not going to solve the problem. You're still gonna be insulin resistant. You're just not going to be ingesting the foods that, that manifest the symptoms, right? So there is such a thing as too much protein if you are in that particular state. However, if you're not, generally speaking, you can eat all the protein you want because there is a satiety effect that is associated with the protein and fat that can negate the overeating aspect of it. Uh, doesn't mean it will. It means it can. Again, a lot of things are at play. Uh, Leanne, you know very well about hormones and how they interact and- if one is not exactly functioning correctly because of thyroid, because of uh, adrenals, because of different aspects of your, your your metabolic makeup, it can cause a cascading effect, right? So we're talking like the physicists when they talk about you know the surface area of a cow. The first thing they say is you have to imagine a spherical cow, right? So this is we're, we're talking ideally, and ideally you have to start from this 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 point, and then like Danny's talking about. Find out what works best for you. Now, in terms of timing, Danny's actually done some experiments on this uh, unintentional experiments on this. From my perspective, protein timing after a hard workout, y- you probably want to get some protein into you within four hours after a hard workout. Is is what I'm going to say. I-, I found that that seems to be kind of it's the ideal for me. Uh, so, Danny, talk a little bit about like what you went through. Yeah, so like uh, you know, a lot of the things that inform my philosophy on
2: this is, is my personal experience. I'm very selfish that way. <laughs> I just kind of these, I experience these things. So, you know, one of the things that happens with intermittent fasting, and I, I can almost guarantee that it happens a lot because it happened with me and it happened with my wife is we were intermittent fasting was the end goal. And so we, we we were putting so much emphasis on hitting that number of 20 hours or 18 hours. And, you know, there might have been times where we were actually hungry. You know, and so if I'm training at 6 a.m. and I'm like training until 8 a.m. and, um, I'm not eating until 4.30 p.m., chances are like over time that could lead to some bad, you know, changes in body comp. And that's what happened to us. So what, what happened to us is we were, we were doing that and then we got a bod pod. And what, what I found was that early on that month, I did lose some extra fat and I was looking leaner. But then as the month went by, I started to look flat and I, and I, and I didn't feel as good. And so I get a bod pod and I had lost some lean mass and my body fat had crept up just a tiny bit. And this is for while I'm, you know, cutting calories this whole time. And so, you know, I started working with Robert Sykes, Keto Savage. And, um, you know, for a few other reasons, cause I was also doing lots of keto, um, recipes and getting creative. And I was like, you know what? I need to cut this out. I need someone else to take over and keep me accountable and put me on a plan so I don't get all creative. And, um, the first thing he did. Was add a post workout meal, and then within a month, over that four month period where I lowered my fat from eleven point four percent to six point five percent, that was when that month, that first month, was when I saw the biggest difference in like lean mass. And so, like, oh, even though over time, over those four months, I gained six pounds of lean mass, in that month, that one month was like the biggest difference throughout the whole time. So that and my and and Maura went through the same thing. My wife went through the same thing where she she added eating after her workout. So, nowadays it's kind of like what Brian says and the reason why we say that 4 hours is there was this one time that Dr. Jacob Wilson quoted about meal timing and and he wasn't even talking about ketogenic athletes. The the, the study that they were referencing was, you know, trained athletes versus untrained athletes and protein timing. And what they found was in the in the untrained athletes that they can go 12 to 24 hours without consuming protein and you know, without consuming anything and, and not hindering protein synthesis. And so the the more trained athletes uh were, were more like four to six hours before something happened where they it was a negative effect. And so I think that just goes to show like the the timing matters more as your training age increases. But you know, one thing Brian's always said is if you're hungry after you train, eat. If you're not, don't. Now for me, I'm not always hungry after I eat, but within an hour or so if I'm not really busy, I'm ready to eat, and so I just eat.
1: And and it's not uncommon to be famished, right? Like after, especially when you work hard, and that's okay too. And I think it's interesting that, like, what you were talking about, Danny, with the the more adapted you are in terms of your exertion, you know, the the more of a, of a senior level athlete type person you've worked out for a really longer t- a longer period of time over your life, you will tend to have adapted to this point, like you're talking about where you kind of need more protein. And I think it's, it's a matter of your body recognizing the need for synthesis. And, and what I mean is like, if you exert once your body's like, I don't think she's going to do it again. But all of a sudden, you, all of a sudden she's hitting the gym four times a week. Now the body's like, um, okay, we need to make a few changes here. Cause you know, clearly she hates us.
2: Yeah, because adding that muscle is, is all that inflammatory process is basically the body's way of saying, oh my gosh, this hurts. We need to get these things bigger and stronger so that it hurts less.
1: Right. So, I mean, the key point there, I think the key takeaway is protein matters, but it matters even more the more you work out, the longer in terms of, of consistency or the, the better in terms of consistency you are.
0: More on my interview with Danny Vega and Brian Williamson after this message from one of our podcast partners. By now, you probably know that bone broth is a mega superfood in the keto and paleo communities. Everyone is making it and cashing in on the benefits that collagen and gelatin provide. You know, the reduction in inflammation, better digestion, improved immunity, reduction in wrinkles, beautiful skin quality, etc but making bone broth takes time. Kettle and Fire make bone broth that's non-perishable so that it can be shipped all over the US without refrigeration, which makes shipping less expensive and you don't have to spend 20 plus hours that are required to make really good homemade bone broth. Listeners of the podcast receive 20% off Kettle and Fire Chicken Bone Broth when you go to kettleandfire.com slash podcast to place your order. Unsure of the link? Simply check it out in the show notes of today's episode to get all the details. And what about fat? Because I know that there's a lot of misconception around fat on the ketogenic diet. And like if you eat too much fat, you won't tap into your fat-burning stores. And when you work out, it's actually better to eat less fat. Because it, you'll burn your body fat quicker and better. What is your guys' stance on fat? I know you kind of chatted about it when we were kind of talking about the macros, but thoughts on that at all?
1: So Danny's actually done an experiment on this too, but I'll, I'll I'll go and I'll put my two cents in, and then Danny can actually give an educated opinion on it. So yeah, so what we hear a lot is that the less table fat you eat, or less plate fat you eat, the more your body's going to consume of your dietary of your of your body fat, and that works on paper but it doesn't necessarily work for individuals. And uh, again, it comes down to it's not a simple calorie in calorie out kind of thing. It's a hormonal thing. And some people are more predisposed to tap into adipocytes inside their body than they are others, right? So uh, other people their bodies tend to want tend to want to to cling onto that to that body fat more. Now, whether it's because they're genetically predisposed because they come from colder climates or or whatever. I don't know the reason, but there are people who are less inclined to give up the body fat. So it doesn't matter how much they cut it down. It makes it harder for them to burn body fat. So you kind of have to figure out which, where you fall on that spectrum and you're going to know because you're going to be the one who no matter what happens you can't get a six pack right i mean there are there are folks unfortunately who just can't uh, but they can get fit and they can get healthy and they can get thin they just can't get to that like like danny with that 6% body fat kind of thing it's just it's just not going to work the problem with the whole fat thing one more time, oh, just one more thing and i'll let danny go is when if you follow it to its logical conclusion you can say i will eat zero fat and therefore, my body will burn all the fat off my body. And that is proven false because your body is then in a state of starvation because you're just not eating enough food for what your body needs. You're eating enough for it to be starving, but not enough for it to be fasted. You know what I mean? So so the the logical conclusion of that doesn't play out. So from what I tell people is use it from that 65%, that one to one fat to protein ratio, from the to the 80-80%, which is the two to one protein to fat or fat to protein ratio and and staying it within that, that realm and kind of lowering it down to 65 or uh, raising it up to 80, depending on what you're doing, seeing how your body resu- reacts. My wife, who is a very, very petite woman, started losing body fat when she started increasing her dietary fat intake. And I have friends who as they started decreasing their dietary fat, they started decreasing their body fat. So it's not a guarantee that it's going to work for everyone. It's it, There are a lot of factors involved. So experiment a little bit with it and see what happens. I talk a lot. I And I feel like I should I should be quiet now so Danny can go. You talk a lot. I talk a lot. <laughs> so
2: it's amazing. The more I learn, the more I realize how awesome Finney and Bolic are because they have all these recommendations that the recommendations aren't, they don't come out of nowhere. They just come mm-hmm. from what they've observed over all these, you know, three, four decades. And so like when, when they start saying things and I'm starting to see those things play out when I'm experimenting on myself, it's, it's amazing. And it's just so impressive. And I'm just like, I'm just like, you guys are awesome. And one of those things is the fat thing. So like they talk about as, as you get more fat adapted, you're able to tap into your body's you know, fat stores more. And what happened to me, but it took, it took about a year and a half for me to get to this point. Was I, I had gotten a, a, a DEXA scan in July and then I had gotten a DEXA scan in October, be, like before the first month of this hypertrophy experiment I was doing. And I had lost all the visceral fat in my abdomen, but then I had gained some subcutaneous fat, like, you know, that, that okay fat that's under the skin that doesn't look great, but it's, it's, it's not bad for you. And I was still doing my, typical diet where I just add in a bunch of dietary fat like extra fat on top of you know fatty cuts of meat but then I put butter on everything and I have like two keto coffees that each one is like you know 50 60 grams of fat and um, I'm like hmm you know I'm starting to think okay this extra fat my body is possibly telling me that I don't need it you know and then that was confirmed when I was I I realized that on our high fat month of this hypertrophy experiment I was having to go to the bathroom more you know which I don't mind saying, but, you know, it happens to all of us. And the other thing was that, you know, I'm I'm realizing that in the morning, because I was doing fasted blood ketones and fasted breath ketones, I was noticing that my morning fasted ketones and my blood were very high, but there wasn't a corresponding high breath ketone. And so, if you know about breath ketones, they're basically testing acetone, which is just a byproduct of the ketone production. So, or, or it's basically ketones. It's a waste product of the ketones that were used. So now I'm seeing high blood ketones, which look great on social media. And they're really cute parlor tricks that you can do by eating a lot of fat. Your body's going to produce ketones, but you know, if you're not using them, then what does it really matter? Why am I ingesting this extra fat? If you know, if it's only going to either be stored or my body's going to say, let's evacuate this. So for me, I just started this week a three month experiment where I'm going to be cutting dietary fat and I'm going to see what happens. I know that cutting dietary fat, a lot of people, especially if you're metabolically healthy, you're going to get lean. You know, you know, it, you start to get, when you get to that 65% fat range, that's a low calorie number. Like for me, getting to 65% where my protein and my fat are equal, that's like getting close to like the end of a bodybuilding prep. You know, that's what I would say. So. I don't think you need to go any lower than that because also you want to be, make sure that you keep these, these changes. And if you do these crazy cuts in fat like that, you're, you're going to rebound back your body's, you know, it's too much of a shock. So I'm now testing, you know, cutting dietary fat, what that means. I'm pretty sure that it's, it means that I'm going to get more lean, but how does that affect my performance? You know, we, we talked to our friend, Chris Irvin. Who, um, he is at ASPI here in, in Tampa, which they're basically doing all type of experiments, clinical experiments, as well as stuff with athletes. And he noticed himself personally that his performance got better when he lowered the fat. So that was interesting to note, but not relevant to me, but just an interesting thing to keep in mind. So I, I'm wondering, you know, if my brain function is going to suffer or if I'm going to be more tired. These things I don't know yet. All I know is that I go into these experiments with an open mind and curiosity and I'm not trying to confirm or deny anything I'm trying to just find out what happens and and it's an amazing and empowering thing and I just I totally encourage other people to do it. It takes work, but it's worth it.
0: That's really awesome information, Danny, and really cool that you do your own self experimentation rather when it comes to fat. I'd love to also talk about carbs and specifically carb cycling and whether or not you guys practice that for your workouts or timing them or anything.
1: You want to go first on this one, Danny? Sure. I I have not
2: seen a need for me to add carbs yet. And you know, I mean I've done different types of training. Like I I did, like, when I did my half marathon, that's one of those things, like, you know, you, you do keto and all these new things start happening. You're like, you have more endurance and you're trying different things. So, I didn't, um I ran most of my runs fasted. And then on the day of the race, I basically had a Vespa, which I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Peter Defty's product, that it has five carbs in it. Um I had that, like, about 30 minutes before the race and 45 minutes into the race. So, about ten carbs total, and then I did have to drink some Gatorade towards the end of the race because I I had really bad cramping because I had I basically had some sort of nasty.
1: Yeah, what he's not what he's not telling you is the week up like the 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 week up to the tr- to the race itself. He was like barely able to get. I lost out of bed seven myself, pounds, so. <laughs> So he ran the thing like with the flu. I, I gained so, three yeah. pounds.
2: Well, I had this – I had the day before I had this thing called – I think it's called the Myers cocktail that it's like an IV bag with all these different electrolytes and it's freaking – I felt awesome. And I gained three pounds back and I had a big steak the night before. I had like a not, – Not through the IV bag. He actually ate the steak. The steak. Have, yeah. <laughs> Although I could possibly like do that because my body would just be like, yes, give me the steak. I would totally buy that. I would totally buy one of those. <laughs> steak yeah. IV? Yes. Yes. Um, So, you know, I and, and, you know, I've done hypertrophy style training. So first, let me say what people say. People say you need carbs for hypertrophy style training because you're you're going to be moving and doing things for more than like, you know, let's say 30 to 60 seconds. And so once you start to tap into that glycolytic fuel system, you're going to need carbs. I mean, for me, you know, if you would have asked me the first three months, I would have said probably, yeah, I need carbs. And I have friends that, you know, say, you know, I just can't get my Training to go right. Like I don't, I feel flat in the gym and they'll play around with carb stuff. But I think my personal opinion on that is I think a lot of them don't commit fully. And so they don't, they're just dipping their toes in the water. And, um, you know, I personally found that after three months, I started to get my pumps back and those were, that was telling me that I was, I was, my glycogen was getting refilled again and my body found a way to do that. I think that there's a place, especially for. Longer distances, uh, and I'm thinking like anything over two hours, where you, you should you could benefit from um, you know some ca- carbohydrate supplementation during the race. But you know, there's a guy Charles Washington. Um, he's a zero carb guy, and zero carb meaning he just eats meat, and he he does marathons. You know, and I, I've been dying to talk to him to try to figure out how he does that because I know that with marathons, we're talking a different story here than a half marathon. A half marathon. I would say pretty much anyone who's healthy would not need carbs. Um, You know, from a, from a scientific standpoint, like I, there's always this one study that I quote and it was one that Dr. Uh, Wilson did where they, they took two body, two groups of bodybuilders and they put them both in a caloric deficit and they had one of them was doing the one group was doing standard keto and the other one was doing cyclical keto. And so their, their hypothesis was that the cyclical keto group would probably have the best of both worlds. That's what I would think, you know, if I didn't really look at this and, and I didn't experience that, I don't really need carbs. But, you know, hypothetically, it's it made sense. And what they found was at the end of the study, both groups lost the same amount of weight, but the group that um, did the cyclic ketogenic dieting, they actually, they lost some lean mass. And so all the weight that the, the standard keto group lost was, was basically fat. And so, you know, the cyclic group also complained that, you know, it took them days to get back to where the, their ketones were, were showing up again, and they also experienced cravings. So, I don't really see, you know, and one of the things that Dr. Wilson commented, you know, looking at the data was, you know, what they think is happening is that these ketones are, they're anabolic, you know, they're, they're we know that they're muscle sparing, but if, it, if they're muscle sparing and you, you only need so much protein because the ketogenic diet is, is so muscle sparing, then you're basically using all that protein to, to do what, what is needed, you know, and, and to rebuild muscle. And so this other group, who knows if there was some gluconeogenesis happening and, and, you know, they just, it just threw them all out of whack. So for me personally, and I know Brian kind of feels the same, I don't really see the need, you know, I, I would love to try maybe like having a Vespa, for instance, right before a, a tough rowing workout. Cause I still got, I'm looking at him right here. <laughs> I got a few left over and I would see like what that would mean. But yeah, personally, like I don't, For most people, I don't think they're going to be necessary. And if you have an issue with like eating, overeating, if your issue is overeating, which is what my issue is, uh, I would caution strongly against it because if if I taste a carb, all bets are off. It's it's game over. Like I could eat 800 carbs in a day. I've done it several times. You know, don't try me (laughs) because I will eat a thousand carbs in a second. Like you know, and they're so easy to eat, and it's so hard to to govern that and to and to keep that in check and being that I have an addicted personality I just don't for me I don't see the benefit.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. So I don't I do not see a need at all to cycle to cycle carbs when you are in training. And of course the longer that you're disciplined with your your ketogenic foods as you're training the The quicker you're going to be able to overcome the adapt, the adaptation period. And, and a lot of, like Danny's talking about, a lot of the times what we see is people who, you know, I've been keto for three days and, you know, my lifts are, are not as much, or I can't run as much. And that's because you're not giving yourself enough time. And we've talked to folks who are endurance runners and power lifters and, you know, guys who triathletes, you know, doing long-term kinds of things. And they'll, they'll, they all say it takes you more time than that. Like sometimes it's three, six, nine, maybe 12 months before you're fully adapted, you know, depending on your body. So you have to give yourself enough time and you'll know that you're there when your workouts start to come back. When you start to rebound, that's when you start realizing, okay, I am, I'm good. I can, I can deal with this. So I don't. We have yet to see a real need for it. However, there is a place for certain kinds of carb ups, and that is, let's say you're doing, you're racing in the Tour de France, right? And you're trying to compete for whatever the the prize money is for the Tour de France. You know, not just the uh, the acclaim, but you're you know you're working for a world championship. It's entirely possible that you may, in one of the mountain stages, need to have some carbs because you aren't able to sustain with someone else who is, you know, um, burning those, those fast carb fuels, right? Now, the longer you train and the more adapted you are, the higher your threshold is for your body to adapt to those carbs and not start getting the deleterious effects of those carbs. So that's a scenario where even uh, Professor Tim Noakes talks about, yeah, he would advocate for that. Because that's, you know, it's, it's a short term situation where you're trying to compete for a world championship. You know, he's like, you know, give it a shot. But then as soon as you're done, get back on plan, right? Don't, don't just, you know, let that go. Like Danny's talking about, give me one and I'll take I'll take all of them. So in a situation like that, yeah, we can see it. But when you're talking about training, give yourself time to adapt and let yourself adapt and be disciplined and be, be strict about it. And I will say this. Yes, your body absolutely needs carbs, but no, your body does not need dietary carbs. So, uh, your body is going to produce the carbs it needs. And the reason I know that is because I've worked out really, really hard and I don't, I eat hardly any carbs at all. And I have yet to die as far as I know, as far as I know, I have yet to die. And I, I'm pretty sure that I've experienced the same thing that a lot of other folks who are keto. I mean, Danny, Danny and I are both very strong carnivore kinds of keto. And we both have gone many days where it's zero carbs at all. It's just meat, 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 meat. And again, No death, right? So (laughs) no death. Uh, And let me say one more thing because I think with the uh, adaptation,
2: I I think I should add that um, my friend Brandon, I was he was transitioning from well, he does everything from powerlifting to ultra marathons. He wanted to do his first bodybuilding competition, and what I did with him was I over ten weeks I brought his carbs down, and that worked really well for him because he started off with a hundred carbs a day. And then I went to like 50 within a month or no, no, it, it wasn't even a month. It was, it was probably like over two months where I got, got it down to 50. And what happened during that period is he actually got stronger on his lower body lips, which just
1: blew me away because, you know, I, especially lower body. That's another thing too. You um, know, uh, Danny's used to me interrupting him. So I apologize. <laughs> Is when you are in that situation where you're trying to adapt to the ketogenic lifestyle, you have got to find a way to kind of stress yourself. Once you've gotten over that sort of carb like uh, restriction phase where you're no longer feeling bad, you've made the you've made the the switch. The, they call it the keto flu. Once you're over that hump, you need to start giving yourself time under load, like stress, or you know, you, because your body's going to adapt faster uh, the, the, the more you, um, the, the harder you work in, in that period of time. So like Danny's talking about with his, with, uh, with Brandon, they weren't like going with the, like, you know, the two pound dumbbells for weeks at a time, you know, it was, it was, they were working hard at the same time. And that makes, that allows for a faster, more complete transition. So you can actually bounce back to your previous state faster. Cause your body has to adapt, if that makes sense.
0: More on my interview with Danny Vega and Brian Williamson after this message from one of our podcast partners. I love being Canadian, the home of the true North, strong and free, but gosh, am I jealous that y'all in the US get access to Thrive Market. For all of my pals south of the border, my friends at Thrive Market are offering you $20 off your first three boxes of groceries, plus free shipping and a 30 day free trial. That's a total of $60 in savings, equivalent of over three tubs of collagen, or over four free pounds of cacao butter, or get this, a half year's supply of free digestive enzymes, all for switching to Thrive Market for your online grocery needs. So on top of their everyday wholesale prices, the extra $60 off your first three orders, plus free shipping, you're going to transform a regular $100 grocery run into an $80 Thrive Market order for three months in a row for the same amount of things. Go to thrivemarket.com slash keto to get your instant $60 off free shipping and a free 30 day membership. This offer is available to new Thrive Market customers only and if you're unsure of the link simply check out the show notes for today's episode to get all the details. What if um somebody's feeling flat in a workout? Say they've been eating keto for three months and they're feeling really good and they want to go a little bit harder, but they are constantly feeling flat. Some people would say, like, have a touch of carbs after your workout. What would be if, if you're going kind of your approach of just keep pushing through it? Do you just keep going to the gym and keep feeling flat? Or are there tools that you can use to kind of get over that quicker? Or you're saying just just keep going?
1: My first thing would be, what is your salt intake?" That was my first response to that question is, are you getting enough salt? because you are working hard, like you said, you're you're three months in, you know you're you're strict, you're disciplined the whole bit. and uh, when you work a little harder, you start feeling a little worse. okay? Are you compensating for the hard work by making sure that you maintain enough electrolytes in your system because the harder you work, the more electrolytes you're getting rid of you're you're excreting or you're burning. And so keep your 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 salt intake at a, at a consistent level, uh, commensurate with the level of effort that you're giving. The other, the other thing I would say is I would start with, uh, fat as fuel first. So, you know, I'm feeling a little flat, okay, throw some coconut oil in your coffee or throw some MCT oil in your coffee before you work out and see how that helps you as opposed to turning to the carb stuff. And of course, you know, there are people who respond differently to different things. Uh, but that, that, that has been what I've seen for me. I know Danny and I've talked about this numerous, numerous times. I would I would rarely find a situation where I would say yeah carb up go ahead for your workouts and don't get me wrong I'm not saying oh you feel miserable too bad work hard you know sometimes you got to get rest that's the are you building the rest in are you making sure that you're getting enough sleep at night you know all of these things play a play a role as you know man, you're super smart you've been or you know in this space long enough to know that there's a there's a gotcha around every corner but if we're assuming that all those boxes are checked I would say your salt levels and fuel up with, with uh, fat first and then see how that, that plays out. That's, that's my response.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, the salt thing is one of those things where, you know, even myself who's fat adapted. And, you know, if you look at the research, like in the beginning, when you're adapting salt and magnesium, both go down and even, even potassium. And, but after about a month, those levels return back to normal, you know, once you adapt. So that's what the research is saying but you still have to supplement if you're, because you're more at risk being keto. And just in the past like month and a half, I really started to get intentional about making sure I get that extra salt in. And I feel so much better just by focusing on salt. I know that some people, you know, what happens when it's working, like if I'm working with a client, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, they don't, they don't ask me, they just do it. (laughs) And, um, when they do it, you know, most of the time they'll say, Hey, I, you know, I did a little carb up and, you know, I asked, Well, how, how did it feel? And I just don't, you know, one of my clients did have, did experience like strength gains, you know, he, but, but he, he never, he had only been doing it for about a month and a half. And so his body's used to burning sugar. And so if he's still a sugar burner and he gives himself some sugar, yeah, sure, he's going to be, he's going to feel good. It's one of those things that, you know, it's on a case by case basis, but I haven't really seen, a need to add extra carbs. I know it's like the the head games involved, especially for guys, because guys hate feeling small, you know, and if you start feeling small in the gym, you know, you're just like, (laughs) you get, you get desperate, you know, and you want to add some carbs. But I mean, like I said, I, I haven't really seen the need for it yet. You know, there's nothing wrong if you do it. I just don't personally see the need for it. I'm definitely not judging people who eat carbs, especially because the ones that are like, smart about it they're they're not having you know fruit loops you know they're, they're saying okay i'm gonna have a sweet potato or i'm gonna you
1: know yeah we would never advocate for it yeah, but yeah, you're yeah, still yeah. A good person
0: <laughs> oh good we can still be friends Oof, i was worried
1: yeah you know who you know my wife could do it she
2: can do it She she's the type of person that if we buy lily's chocolate she'll have like one row you know and like like one little row if, we, if i buy lily's chocolate i eat the whole bar
0: yeah or like half an apple <laughs> Yeah, I think what you said, Danny, about, you know, if I have one carb, I'll have a thousand. I think definitely if you have that mentality, then you probably shouldn't do it. Like you just shouldn't do it. But for me, it's like, whoop-de-doo.
2: Absolutely. I I cannot tell you guys how many times I have on the way to the car, the the the, 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 the rapper, I'm like, what do I do with this rapper? I, this is garbage. I'm taking garbage like, in my car. No,
1: no, wait, like before you get out of the grocery store? Or <laughs> yeah, like, it's oh. like Oh, me too. Me too. Like, I'm, I know. I, right, I, when I buy stuff like that, I like I over the garbage can, in like next to the checkout. Like I'll just be here for just a second. Uh, raw, I mean. That's, that's part of the problem. Yeah, I'm a sugar addict, so I need to get away from stuff like that. So
0: Totally. I love it. So this conversation has been mostly based on like how to sort of manipulate your macros and even understand your macros on a ketogenic diet, not even so that you can count them, but just so that you can understand which does what and how it works and how you can kind of move them around to fit your body. Is there anything else when it comes to how to fuel your body specifically with the three macros that you don't feel like we touched on that you want to leave our people with nuggets of wisdom?
1: So I would say the two things you want to kind of keep constant once you dial them in, right? Once you dial them in is is your carb intake and your protein intake. And the thing you can kind of mess around with is your fat intake. Um, and you'll find different results depending on what you do. If you're a tracker like Danny is, you're a lot, you're, you're way more set to be able to understand and to know what the numbers mean. If you're not a tracker like I am, you're just going to do it by feel. Like some days I know that I'm eating uh, higher levels of this, that, or the other, just because I know what I ate yesterday. And that's, you know, if that's how you work. That's how you operate. That's okay. So I wouldn't necessarily mess with protein. I wouldn't necessarily mess with carbs. I would say, you know, the, the, the one thing that you kind of have the little dial with is your your fat, you know, going between that 65% and that 80% thing. This is assuming not having a need for therapeutic ketosis. We're just talking about working out, you know, and and regular everyday stuff. Um, Therapeutic ketosis is a completely different story.
2: Well, I just, uh, you know, again, going back to, it's interesting to see that like in my hypertrophy experiment, the second month, so we basically, just so you know, Leanne, um, Robert Sykes and I decided that we were going to do this hypertrophy experiment. And we added 500 calories every month and every month it came from something, something different. So the first month it was all protein and we felt like crap. And then the second month it was all fat and we felt great, but we also, we and we burned more fat, which we weren't trying to do, but our body fat went down. And I personally added a little bit of lean mass, like my arms measurements got bigger. And then the third month, It was kind of a wash. It was my favorite month because it was kind of just a mix of of protein and fat. All that to say that, you know, I personally, like if someone's having bad workouts, I add fat first. And if someone says, well, I'm not putting on the muscle that I I want, I wouldn't necessarily add protein right away. I would um, look at their workout, make sure that they're pushing themselves hard enough because that's the most important.
1: Oh, that's, that's huge. That is huge. The problem with a lot of, with a lot of understanding is, you know, eating protein equals muscle. And that is not the case at all. You get more muscle by lifting heavier. That's it. Period. Yeah. And, and you need that, you
2: need that protein, but, but it's not where you start. You start with that, train your butt off. And, and, you know, the fat is like, you know, if you're underfed on fat, you're you're not going to feel good. Uh, I did want to add one more thing, um, which is like my personal supplements that I do, which, uh, Brian does some of these too but I, I know that that was one of the things that we might have talked about so I figure I might as well just mention them now. People also ask me about vitamin supplementation and like when I tell them like what I take you know only one of them is you know something that will be considered something you take as a vitamin. I take like 400 milligrams of chelated magnesium every morning. I take uh, I think it's 1500 milligrams of L-citrulline and I take um, 500 milligrams of, uh, of berberine Every morning and I'm, I'm, there's one more that I'm missing. Oh, and taurine and I take about one to two grams of taurine just because there was a time in my life where I was doing lots of stuff and I was getting cramps. It was before I was keto. And once I started taking taurine, it went away. So that's like my security blanket at all times. And I, I have done a lot of experimentation with exogenous ketones. And I think that, you know, it was really helpful for me when the calories were really low at the end of my cut, because one of the things that Robert does is he asks people how their workouts are going. And when he realizes he waiting for that time for them to say it sucks, because that's when that's when you should be getting really lean, you know, and I noticed that as I got really lean, my workouts weren't suffering because I was taking exogenous ketones as a pre workout. And my wife didn't do that at the same time when she was getting leaner and her workouts did suck. So I think for me personally, exogenous ketones have their place and I, I, I don't take them as much anymore. You know, I don't plan on taking them anytime soon i do take them like once or twice a week if i want to be like hit with some creative you know energy and i and i want some extra brain power and i do feel like they help with that so that's my little stack
1: I wonder, I wonder how MCT oil would affect in this, like the, for the same reason, like I wonder. If in the that, same thing? Yeah. I, I wonder if that would be, that'd, that'd be a cool experiment, right? To see. It would. It. The
2: only thing is like, the only thing is like, you know, if I take it in the morning, I guess I, I could like, I would have to split it up because, you know, my MCTs, if I, even now when I take too much at once, it's like, you know, it's more than before my tolerance, but
1: it's still, there's still a, a ceiling. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's a it's a feeling deep down inside. Have
0: you tried Have you tried MCT oil powder? I find that that's better for people that have that feeling in their belly when they try regular MCT oil.
2: Well, if you if you know me, you know that I I'm the type of the guy that says, "Oh, that too." Okay, I'll
1: take that. So I take I take them all. Right. So Danny Danny takes MCT oil powder and mixes it with his MCT oil, and that's-
0: why would you do that?
1: <laughs> I
2: do I do in my in my in my coffee in my morning coffee. Like I'll have. A tablespoon of MCT oil, a scoop of uh, ballistic keto MCT powder, and then I'll I'll have like some unsweetened cashew milk. Um, just just because I want volume, because I don't like the taste of coffee by itself. So my coffees look like they're like white.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, so I for supplementation, just to just to kind of piggyback, I do the same exact thing that Danny does for the first three things that he mentioned. I I have a chelated magnesium, um, I have berberine, and I have uh, L-citrulline. Both morning and night. And I do it in the morning because that's, you know, the start of the day, but I do it at night, uh, mostly the magnesium at night because it helps it's helpful for for sleep to get that restful state. But I don't do anything else. Like people talk all the time about BCAAs or creatine and and there's some benefit to those, but they're not a must. And I don't and I I, you know, I, I caution anyone to say, you know, that they need them. You know, you you don't. If you're eating Good food, you don't necessarily need those things. But again, it depends on what your goals are. If you're trying to like reach to that like elite level, you may need something that you can't necessarily get just by food alone. Okay. But most regular folks aren't there. Uh, you know, that's not them. So my recommendation is kind of save your money and buy steak.
0: That is probably one of the best recommendations and where we should end today's call is Just like, just by stake. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast guys. Where can people find more information from both of you together or separate?
1: So we have an, a website called the ketogenic It's a podcast as well. Uh, the com. You can find us on, on iTunes, the ketogenic athlete, my Instagram, cause I run the, the ketogenic athlete Instagram and the Twitter, uh, which means it's terrible. Um, <laughs> and Danny, Danny's is uh keto counterculture and it's awesome so you can tell which one of us is like into social media and which one of us is not.
2: yeah that's what you should have said I'm not into social media and Danny is I don't know if it's awesome I think it's a numbers game and I get it right like one out of every like you know if there's 500
1: posts one of them's gonna one of them's gonna do well
0: i <laughs> will well, include all those links in the show notes for sure
1: we appreciate it, Leanne. Thank you so much for having us on the show. We 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 didn't mention this, but we're huge fans. Oh, so thanks. Like really, really great. Talk- yes, totally.
2: Like, I remember when we were on our podcast panel, I remember when you were talking about, like, I remember when you were first splitting into and doing your own. And, and wow, it's been like, how long has it been now?
0: I think about a year and a half.
2: Wow, that's cool.
0: Nuts. Yeah, it's been really fun. I really like doing it. We get to well because we live in the RV full time, we get to rent a hotel and do the whole thing and it's yeah, it's an experience. So it's fun.
1: Well, you're good at it, so you should keep doing it.
0: Okay, check and check. Well, thanks guys for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This was really fun. I let you kind of like do your thing and it was a really nice break for me. So thank you for knowing what you are talking about and for being so open with all of your information. And for those listening, if you want to get all the links and some of the supplements that these guys were talking about, you can head to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E70. I'll make sure to include all their good social media, bad social media and everything in between.